Uh, it's good to see you all this afternoon. Uh, to God be the glory for your presence. Uh, we're going to get started, and in a few minutes, there'll be a slide that comes up that reminds me for us to pray. <laughs> we're going to start off, uh, stewardship is first and foremost about our relationship with God, and you'll see that in the first several slides as we lead into the topic for today. Welcome. <laughs> All right, of course, he's already uh, introduced me. Uh, but the better part is my lovely wife who will slip in here. There she is. Wave at the people. <laughs> uh, yes, if it were not for her, well, we're not for God and her, where would I be? <laughs> and so if we meet and you forget me, you lost nothing. But if you meet Jesus and forget him, you've lost everything. Now, at the, we have purpose at the North American Division, more than just a beautiful building, but it's the people that we serve, all ages, including the communities that we reach out to. We need to learn to breathe. You see, in tough times, we must seek his face. Manage life, which is stewardship, by the way. Utilize media to reach North America and the world. Multiply our ministry, evangelize and mentor our people while we search for souls sharing hope. And so, stewardship executed properly allows us to breathe. Normally, when we say the word stewardship, people clench for their purses or their wallets. <laughs> that's the negative connotation. And that's what has happened over the years because we only think of it at the offering phase of the worship experience. But in this text, it says, I'm leaping and singing in the circle of your love. You saw my pain. You disarmed my tormentors, David. You didn't leave me in their clutches, but gave me room to breathe. That whole text simply saying, Lord, I trust you. So like David says, God gives us room to breathe when things get tough, when we are challenged. And so we need to learn to breathe. We see stewardship ministries in North America as an opportunity by God's grace to breathe fresh, positive life into your experience. And here we are at the called in Lexington, Kentucky, in the South Central Conference Territory, and also Kentucky, Tennessee. <laughs> Beyond Blessings 3, um, <clears throat> I'm going to just, if you just take one of these, and yes, as they come in, I guess. <clears throat> we are in a sermon writing campaign. We launched uh, here at the call. We're excited to uh, launch our latest sermon writing campaign to gather the best sermons, and uh, those that are selected will be awarded $500 to be published in Beyond Blessings 3. Uh, we have one and two. Of course, John Matthews edited the last version, and so we're looking to publish number three and possibly four. So that's you can scan this QR code, which is on that uh, handout that you have, and all the instructions of how to apply are there, and also including a, I think it's a three-minute or 30-second video clip 
some, uh, as a synopsis of the message, and Hope Channels will be looking at those to see if they want to choose one to be to be flown up to actually video uh, that particular message. And so, for our stewardship for North American Division, we're looking to do a generosity reset because of the way stewardship has been thought about over time. And so our topic is breathe, reset, refresh, and restore your finance. Now, Father, we ask for your presence to be with us. Hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As usual, we associate stewardship with money. <clears throat> but you know, all of us are frontline warriors. As uh, said in spiritual councils for estate planning, during every phase of the great controversy between good and evil, the Lord has provided divine insight. During every phase of the great controversy between good and evil, the Lord has provided insight, wisdom, and guidance. When the pen of inspiration has been diligently heated, the church has always grown and increased in strength. Today, we find ourselves in time's last hour with the devil as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Inspiration helps us to understand the great adversary's plan. And from the Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 4, you see the rest of it there. As the people of God approach the perils of the last days, Satan holds earnest consultation with his angels as to the most successful plan of overthrowing their faith. And you have experienced it. You know that every time you step out, to do God's work, the enemy has a plan to fight against you. All the time, he doesn't rest. And uh, you do evangelism, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't have to do evangelism. Just be a Christian. And the enemy is set out to demolish you. But guess what? Christ has already won the battle for us and has promised to go through tough times with us. So that's why we can breathe. At knowing, and that knowing the time, Romans 13, 11, and 12, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Get ready, be ready, stay ready. Why? You know, why? He's coming. As an Adventist, we know he's coming. As a Seventh-day Adventist, we know and preach that he's coming. We've been knowing and preaching that he's been coming for years. But there's this text from the Savior, and he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said what? In other words, yes, I'm coming, and don't forget it. But until I get here... There's some things that you need to handle. Handle your business until I come. And so stewardship is a great part of that. Revolutionary generosity. Stewardship is revolutionary generosity. Now, I'm going to do a comparison. And so revolutionary generosity, it's not just about money. It is the breaking away from and the overthrow of a lifestyle that's centered on the accumulation of self-absorption, and it is 
against, rising against the falsely created insatiable need for more and refusing to be subjected to the fear of not having enough to be truly happy. What is stewardship? Well, holistically, it is whole life management. I'm sharing these particular slides. We're getting ready to get into the main subject shortly. It's because many people think of stewardship when it just comes to the offering. And so we just think of money. But it's much more than that. These three sections, it's the personal life of the believer, and we're going to highlight the seven T's shortly. It's the church life of the organization, as you see here in the left column. And in the right column, you see all the ministries of the church. All of these things have to be managed to the glory of God. Stewardship is managing all of that. But the nice thing is all church ministry is team ministry. And so it's all about Jesus trusting in his sovereignty and his ownership. And under the umbrella of revolutionary generosity, we have the seven T's. And it's like building a building. And you are familiar with these time, temple, talent, and treasure, the pillars, and then trust in God, theology, and testimony, what we call the bedrock or the foundational T's. And then, of course, there's the seal of the building, and that's Jesus himself. And he's also the rock, the main foundation of all of it. And because of his sacrifice, it makes it all possible. Now, this is revolutionary generosity. We call it the T7 concept. And so here they are in short. Each of these have a spiritual uh, significance and a practical significance. Each one of these is a seminar within itself. But anyway, the spiritual part of time is individual personal worship, Bible study, relationship building with God. Practical side is time management, organizing time for family, the individual's life, building relationships, and planning for the future. Temple, uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And individual temple of God, comparison to Bible sanctuary, uh, living temples. And as God's good stewards, we must do what? Manage, Manage our body temples to his glory. And then uh, practical management, natural principles of health, new start, you're familiar with that, and then talent. God gives individuals gifts to do his work, and God gives uh, talents to have gainful employment. We place our care uh, of the planet, we call it terra firma, Mother Earth, under talents because God gives humans gifts to take care of every aspect of the planet, stewards of the earth. And then, of course, treasure. Uh, relationship with God through tithe and offering. And then the practical side of that is personal finance, and which is what we're getting ready to talk about. Uh, money management, debt relief, building wealth. We'll come back to this in a second. We've got three other T's to highlight. And uh, key components to a prosperous life. There they are. Trust in God. And that is simple. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In, your, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Then, of course, theology, the biblical foundations and study of, of the stewardship lifestyle, and that's highlighted by the 21 fundamental belief, number 21. Uh, stewardship is central to Bible teaching. Seventh-day Adventist Church recognizes it as one of its fundamental beliefs. And so we are God's stewards entrusted by him with time and opportunities, abilities and possessions and the blessings of the earth and its resources. We are responsible to him for their proper use, 
We acknowledge God's ownership by faithful service to him and our fellow human beings and by returning tithe and giving offerings for the proclamation of his gospel and the support and growth of the church. Stewardship is a privilege given to us by God for nurture in love and the victory over selfishness and covetousness. Stewards rejoice in the blessings that come to others as a result of their faithfulness. And of course, all the texts uh, that go along with that fundamental belief. And then testimony is real short, verbalizing what God did, what he does, and what he will do by faith. How many can testify that God is good? Anybody want to share a quick one-minute testimony of how God has blessed your life? Maybe just this week, something may has may have he has done quickly. I don't have a lot of time, but I do want to hear a testimony. I see somebody coming up with one. <laughs> I was sharing a testimony with my brother-in-law just today about how before COVID, I was at Walmart. Of course, driving the parking lot with my youngest daughter. It was windy day, and I saw a $10 bill uh, in the parking lot, and I stopped my car, ran out, grabbed that bill, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So by the time I got through, I had $100. Wow. Within one minute. And so the Lord let me know before COVID struck, I'm going to take care of you. Wow. Let your church say amen. Yes. Verbalizing what God did, what he does, and by faith, what we know he will do. Perfect example. And so that's how they stack up. And so, as his children, we remain committed to his faithfulness. God is faithful, based on that testimony right there. And all of you have others uh, that will say the same thing, that God is always faithful. His word never changes. He always keeps his promises, and his love never ceases because he is faithful, consistent, and reliable. We can live with confidence knowing that his love for us does not depend on what we did yesterday. Or what might happen tomorrow. We, we can rest in God's love and fully trust him because he keeps his word. Do we keep our word? We attempt to. <laughs> we try. And, and are successful with Jesus' help. When we accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and helps us bear fruit. Only with his help will this fruit be seen in our relationships. One of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is faithfulness. When we invite the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, he can help us become and remain faithful stewards who are consistent, reliable, and trustworthy. Managers of God's goods, everything including money. Reset, refresh, and restore our finances. I'm included in that. Personal finance is what we're going to talk about. I don't know if you recognize this lovely lady here, but in 1995, she gave $150,000 to the University of Mississippi from her savings account to help struggling students. And we'll come back to her story shortly. I want you to tell me why are people having money problems currently? I see a smile. <laughs> you have an uh, answer behind that smile? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm just thinking myself, I know I'm financially broke, 
Ah, okay, very good. Yes. Failure to live within their means. Yes. Anybody else? Current problems, money problems. Yes. Bad management. Bad management. Wow. Yes. Loss of job. Yes. Very good. Yes. Lack of knowledge. Very good. Anybody else? Oh, let's roll on. Well, inflation is happening right now. That, that's that's contributing, and business shutdowns also. Uh, the pandemic was a contributor, and unemployment. Reasons why people normally have money problems, and you have named some of these, and we're going to look at three of them uh, where people have uh, money problems. Ignorance. Somebody just mentioned that. Many people, couples are financially illiterate. They are simply never taught the biblical principles of money management. This, there's hope. <laughs> it's Even if it's found or you can't find it in schools or universities, some of them now these days are starting to carry courses to teach simple money management tools. Number two is greed and selfishness. They live beyond their means. They are not willing to live in, drive, or wear what they can truly afford. Many of these people also feel they're just too poor to tithe. Consequently, they live their lives without God's promised wisdom and blessing. Number three, unfortunate tragedy. And we have had uh, myriads of unfortunate tragedies in this nation just recently. And so people have lost their homes. You just saw the flooding. Uh, all of these things contribute to an unfortunate tragedy. Uh, then it says a serious illness without adequate insurance, being uh, abandoned by a spendthrift marriage partner, natural disaster, major financial loss, not of your own doing. But enough about the problems. What can we do to reset, refresh, and restore and gain the victory over debt? Number one, learn all you can about money management. Practice what applies to your family situation. Read books, attend seminars, talk with those who know what's going on. You should never stop doing this because there's no foolproof answer. Only thing today we're doing is just highlighting some tips that will help you along the way. But you've got to stay up on what's going on out there with money. Make friends with unrighteous mammon. <laughs> Pray for God's wisdom and blessing. Ask God to transform our hearts from selfishness to love. When we become unselfish, we are ready for heaven. Desire of Ages 641, that's chapter 7, least of these, my brethren. So seven simple steps to reset, refresh, and restore our finances. Number one, what? Have a what? A written spending plan. You say, what, can I do it on the computer? Yes, we'll look at that shortly. And what is that called? Yeah, see, that's not a bad word, <laughs> the word budget. Uh, a written spending plan. A written plan is called the household budget, and it provides accountability. It helps keep us on track. Create a budget. I'm not going to read everything you see on the screen all the time. Many of us have no idea of what we're spending. That's the reason for accountability and for writing it down so you can check yourself, all right? Uh, some people spend money on lunch, uh, a lot of money, maybe 15 bucks, more now, 
uh, prices have gone up considerably. I was going through the drive-through the other day uh, to get um, uh, a veggie sandwich, and I looked up on the screen, and uh, it, it had the the, the uh, what is it? Because uh, since I don't buy the regular Burger King, uh, no, it's the big Whopper or whatever they. Got. I don't know if it's a double one, but it was ten bucks. I said, my, I haven't, you know, <laughs> some 30, 40 years. No, this was just a regular beef burger. And so I was, you know, getting my, I usually order mine with no meat. I don't want the Impossible Burger on it because, yeah, it tastes nasty to me. I just want just the lettuce and tomato cheese and all that, you know. Uh, but anyway, it was 10 bucks. I said, wow, <laughs> prices have really gone up. But be honest with yourself. Here's the thing. Study your receipts. And in a video we're going to show in a moment, uh, the lady's going to talk about collecting your receipts for a month. So you can get an idea of what you are actually spending. This is serious and it's critical. Also, uh, live within, <laughs> live within whatever your finances are bringing in. Learn to live within that. And then put a little bit towards your desk so you can end your slavery sooner rather than later. Ed Reed, one of our former stewardship directors, uh, attested debt to slavery. And so get together if you're married uh, with your spouse and look at it. Here's Ed Reed here. If you go on our YouTube page, uh, this uh, uh, video is there, developing a spending plan. And also uh, our previous stewardship director, John Matthews, did one on budgets. And it's about 27 minutes. We're only going to look at about five minutes of it. And here it is. Welcome to Stupid Money. Not that money is stupid. Most of us would love to have more of it, but sometimes we make stupid decisions with it. But you don't have to. This is the show that unpacks how to stop making stupid decisions so you can be smarter with your money and have a happier, fulfilled life. Join us today as we tackle budgets. I would have had a budget or committed to a financial plan, I wouldn't have wasted so much money on mm. that. That was the key point for that. That was the key point. I've never forgotten it. Mm -hmm. Of course, these remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they do. <laughs> Vivian, what is a budget? Well, a budget is, like John said, a plan, but it's a written plan that manages your finances. So good old-fashioned pen and paper? Pen and paper, or you can go to a computer. You know, there are apps. There are lots of ways to do a budget. Even your bank, you know, they have ways mm. that you can go online and just do your budget. Simple. Yeah, we'd like to even walk you through a budget. Oh, will you? Right in front of us. Here. They put it up on the screen. And Vivian's going to walk us through this thing. Yeah, a monthly budget, but before you get started with your budget, Diana, you must begin first with figuring out what your expenses are. And how, how, do that? how best to do that mm -hmm. is to get your receipts, keep your receipts for one month, for 30 days. Okay, I can and do that. You can do that. Put those receipts maybe in a shoebox or in envelopes, whatever. But you're going to be able to see exactly where you're spending your money. 
and there are going to be some surprises. Uh -oh. You're going to be real surprises how you're spending. And do it with your credit cards as well as your cash. So you want to see how you're spending your money. And after you do that, then you're going to go and you're going to put that information into a written budget. You're going to put everything down, and then um, you're going to be able to see where your money's going. You're going to put them into two different categories. Got it. What's the, what's the first thing we're going to do? The first thing you're going to do, though, is you're going to look at your income. Because you got to know, if I'm making enough money to afford all this stuff, or what am I actually living on? So you're going to look at your income. And your income is going to be, you know, of course, what you're making. But do you take home all that money you're making? I don't, unfortunately. No, you don't. <laughs> Some of it you got to give to Uncle Sam, you know, and to other places. Right. So after all of that is taken out, that's called your net spendable income. Okay. the money that you can actually spend. Have you heard of that text, uh, Matthew 6, 33? I have, or, but seek ye first. Seek ye first. How does that work with but, the budget? With the budget, it, tithe. Are you going to give back to, to God? So first off, you're going to give back to God. And so seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. After you return back to God, that first 10%, the rest of it, he's going to take care of. Mm. So what is this row of numbers right here? This row of numbers he's speaking of is talking about the various ex um, percentages that you're going to allocate to the various expenses. So this is a budget based on percentages? It's a budget based on percentages. But if I don't have enough money to fund all these at that level, what do I do? You're, you have two levels of expenses, fixed expenses, mm -hmm. which is what? House payments, okay. your mortgage, utilities. and then your, your not your utilities, those are variable because okay. they change from time okay. to time. So okay. from your fixed expenses, you're going to put in those numbers, and then your variables are the expenses that will change. That's where you can make changes if you don't have enough money. So Vivian, how long is this uh, type of budget going to take me? It's only going to take you about an hour to an hour and a half to put this information in, John. Now, what do you do for a living? You're an accountant, right? I'm an accountant. I'm a preacher. <laughs> uh, is that because I can download it? Or can I come to your office and say, will you help me with this? Yes, John. <laughs> I will help anyone that because this is so important. Mm -hmm. So, yes, you can download it. But it will, it will only take you about an hour and an hour and a half because you've, only, you, you've already done the pre-work. You've put those receipts together so you have all that right. done. So you've already done the pre-work. It's all input at this point. So how often should I look at this? You should look at this at the end of each month because you want to know if you're right on track with what you've already planned. You know, you've set your plan, this is what I want to do, but at the end of the month, you need to compare to so see if you no really do it. So it's no good if I do it once and don't check in. No, it's no good to just put it in and not, you know, look at it because right. you've got to see if you're on track because sometimes we see those fancy things we want to buy, but if you don't have it in the budget, you shouldn't buy it. In light of those fancy things, how much should I save? You should save. That's a good question because it's very important to save. You should pay, give back to God first and then pay yourself first. 10 to 15 percent. Do you think that's possible? I think it's absolutely possible. I believe it is also. 10 to 15 percent should be your savings. Now, if you can't do that, some of that is paying off credit card debts. So you're going to put a percentage toward that. You're going to put a percentage toward just saving, a percentage okay. toward retirement. Mm -hmm. So that's all included in that. So if you don't have enough for all of that right now, you make sure you make certain that you do it later. Cool. Diana, if you want this, go to our website. You can download it. And what's that? NADStewardship.org.
NADstewardship.org. Yeah, that's true. You can. You can go right to our website and download this particular form uh, for yourselves. As a matter of fact, when you go to our website, you'll come to this, and you'll want to uh, click on Stupid Money TV, and then that'll bring you up to this particular page and click on Resources. And it'll bring you here, and it'll give you the sample worksheet, which you just saw. And also, there's another document called the Rollover Method, which is similar to um, uh, the debt elimination snowball uh, that Dave Ramsey talks about. <clears throat> so get organized, develop a plan, written, a written spending plan is, of course, a budget. Number two, spend what? Spend more than you earn. <laughs> spend more than you earn. <laughs> Spend less than you earn. Determine to live within your means. Proverbs 21:20. There is treasure to be desired and all in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man or woman spendeth it up. The definition for the word fool in the Bible, what is that associated with? Come on, students, Bible students, you know it. What is the Bible definition for a fool? That's exactly right. Somebody said atheist, somebody who does not believe in God. So there's treasure to be desired and all in the dwelling of the wise, but someone who doesn't believe in God will spendeth it up. Oh, we'll spend it up. We'll waste it. So number three, save a little every pay period. Start with only 50 bucks or lower, uh, not just for retirement. Uh, please do this. I know have spoken to many older uh, Christians, and not it doesn't matter whether they're believers or non-believers, uh, but this is critical. When they get to retirement, they wished that they had started early saving for more than just retirement. Some of them are in retirement trouble right now, and that's why many of them are still working. And you may go to your favorite Target, well, not Target, I haven't seen them out at Target, but at Walmart, greeting, and they're aged. Now, some of them, if you're doing it because you want to and want to work, that is no problem, but some have to. I know of a former worker who was a former conference president who still has to work because years ago he opted out of Social, uh, social Security so they could have more funds coming in. Now, yes, that was a decision back then that he regrets now. I said that so that it would stick to you. Open a savings account. You say, I don't have enough money. Yes, you do. And open it in another bank. We do this with our tithe and offering. We put our tithe and offering in another bank. So that it's not with the regular monies that we use to pay bills and all the rest of that. And then we, use, you know, we just, uh, whether we're doing it online or sitting in the church writing a check. Uh, but open another account so it doesn't seem like uh, that, you, you, that you have that access to it. Why? As soon as you start putting money away, something happens to your psyche, you start realizing uh, you are now building instead of diminishing. So how did she do it? How did she save thousands People wanted to know how she did it. What was her simple secret? She gave a $150,000 gift by carefully saving from her earnings, made washing and ironing clothes over a span of five decades. She kept saving. She did not touch it. Her secret to building wealth, building a fortune, 
was a compounding interest. This is the secret right here. It's not the ones that make the big money, but the ones who know how to save who can get ahead, even in these tough times. You've got to leave your investment alone long enough for it to increase. Her simple secret, regular saving. One way to invest and compounded interest. So live within your income. And I just read that text earlier, the same text. All right, so here's some uh, money mantras from Michelle Singletary. Uh, same thing, living within your income. Evaluate your spending. <laughs> Whether too much is going to stuff <laughs> that is called personal property, which, is, which diminishes in value. All the real nice stuff we're wearing diminishes very quickly in value. If you're wearing it, it's not an asset, <laughs> okay? And you see that self-storage over there. Many people have stuff, stuffed in storage facilities, and that costs money. Four types of net worth. There are four uh, types of assets that make up your net worth. Three of them, all right, don't require storage space. Our, we call them appreciating assets. Liquid assets, that's cash, uh, checking, money markets, so forth and so on. Uh, assets held for their potential to increase. That is stocks, bonds, money, uh, and mutual funds. Of course, real property, your home and garage and the property that you have. And then now we're talking about depreciating assets. As beautiful as that Corvette is, unless you keep it in a garage, don't drive it for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> or 30, I'll say 25, <laughs> it, it would still be worth uh, something. Uh, but, but most of the time you drive off the lot, your vehicle has depreciated instantly. You can't turn around and drive it back on after you sign all the papers and took out the loan, did all that, and get what you paid for it. Well, they give you a few days, I think. Uh, forget how many days it is that you can take it back. Uh, so anyway, electronic equipment, clothing, all this stuff immediately loses value when you drive off or walk out of the store, what have you. Learn how to curtail uh, 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 your, and your love to consume. Reduce the amount of stuff you buy with personal, for personal property. Ask yourself a question. Are my only assets stuff crammed into uh, my self-storage unit, my closet, or what have you? Even Ellen White gives us wisdom on this. You ought to be careful that, and someone alluded to this earlier, you ought to be careful that your expenses do not exceed your income. What is it? Bind about your wants. There are a lot of times we go places and we see a lot of things that we want. We need to have a communication with ourselves and God as to we, do we really need it? At times I've picked up stuff and put it back down, picked it up, put it back down. There's a war going on <laughs> in my mind. Should I buy these donuts or leave them alone? <laughs> and health says, leave it alone. And I've, I've struggled with that. I know none of you have struggled with that. And you get to the cash register, and I take them out. <laughs> I've got a victory that day. <laughs> All right. Think, rethink your grocery basket. Very important. You need to actually write out a list before you go and stick to that list. Don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry. And don't go when you're frustrated. You'll buy stuff you don't need. I'm serious. If you go when you're hungry, you're going to buy a whole bunch of items that you really didn't need. 
So uh, some people go, they just uh, grab stuff, put it in, no list, no thinking. And sometimes the kids uh, add to that. <laughs> they grab stuff off the shelf and throw it in. Uh, so nothing more from the parent than a shoulder uh, shrug. And some of that stuff is not healthy uh, that they grab. So pay attention to the small stuff. Many people are nickel and diming themselves into debt. If you want to create wealth, you have to pay attention to the small stuff. So the idea is many of us need to just stop eating. <laughs> no, no, stop eating out. You want that one, stop eating? <laughs> okay, stop eating out. And, or manage how many times you eat out. You can imagine how much money can be saved in a year, uh, but just managing how many times you, you eat out. And here's a quick money hack, eating out versus eating at home. This is about three minutes. Hi there. On today's money hack, we're looking at the cost of eating out versus cooking at home. Like most people, I enjoy a good restaurant. Thai, Italian, ice cream, mm, so good. But eating out can get kind of pricey compared to cooking at home. Exactly how pricey? Well, let's find out. I'm gonna make a burger and fries and compare how much it costs versus eating the same meal at a restaurant. Burgers and fries vary in price, so we're gonna take a look at three popular burger restaurants, Red Robin, Five Guys, and McDonald's. Red Robin's average gourmet burger costs $9.99 plus tax. It's a little more now. It comes with all-you-can-eat bottomless fries, but we also need to include a 15% tip. So the total comes in at $12.26. Five Guys average burger costs $6.99 plus tax and doesn't include fries. Their cheapest fries cost $3.09, which is a large serving. So our Five Guys totals $10.87. As you likely guess, McDonald's is much cheaper. A Big Mac runs $3.99, and you can add a medium-sized order of fries for $1.79. Add tax, and your total is $6.23. If you buy the cheaper and smaller cheeseburger, is $1, and the medium fries is $1.79, your total is $3.01. Now let's see how that compares to making a burger and fries at home. First, let's cut up some potatoes and get them baking in the oven. I use a little olive oil and salt. A large serving of home-baked fries is about one and a half potatoes, which costs about 25 cents. Our bun costs 25 cents, and our garden burger costs $1. Then we'll add some lettuce, five cents, onions, five cents, a few pickles at two cents, avocado, 25 cents, tomato, 15 cents. For condiments, we'll add 15 cents to cover our mayo, mustard, and ketchup. So our homemade burger tallies up at $1.92 and fries come out to a total of 25 cents. I'll throw in a few carrot sticks, which costs about seven cents, bringing our grand total for the entire meal to $2.24. As you can see, even the McDonald's cheeseburger is more expensive than making a burger and fries at home. And when you look at a more comparable gourmet burger, like Red Robin, the price difference is a whopping $10.02. 
If you save that much once a week over the course of a year, you'd save $521.04. According to the Federal Reserve Board, almost 50% of Americans don't have $400 on hand for an unplanned expense or emergency. As you can see, that small amount could be funded just by cutting back on eating out. And we didn't even talk about the health benefits. Thanks for joining us on today's Money Hack. Uh, and we can also cut back on the dessert <laughs> as well to save money. Uh, she mentioned something there uh, about um, the benefits of having savings in case of emergency. Well, uh, hopefully we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. And so uh, getting to number four, but you see get organized, spend less than you earn, save a little every pay period. Number four, avoid debt like COVID. Interest is one expense you can live without. And just in case you missed it, <laughs> avoid debt like what? <laughs> COVID. In, the, in our seven simple steps, this is number four. And from Councils on Stewardship, page 257, she says, be determined never to incur another what? Deny yourself a thousand things rather than what? Run in debt. This has been the curse of your life. What? Is she trying to say something? <laughs> Avoid it as you would the smallpox. Make a solemn covenant with God that by his blessing you will pay your debts and then owe no man anything if you live on porridge and bread. In other words, if you, acc if you accrue debt, pay it off. Now, many of us have homes and we're paying mortgages. Well, the home is in normal financial situations. Your home, paying it off, should pay you because you gain what over time? What's it called? Equity. And what happens is, though, if we refinance every so many years, you lose your equity. And so that's how you can end up over being in a house several years and not have any equity. So when you sell it, you really get nothing. So again, this is where we have to ask the Lord for his guidance and direction to make sure that we, if we do get in any situation that we have a, an emergency fund, and some people have to refinance because of some, something happened out of their control so they can take the money that's in the home to cover whatever that is, and it's almost like starting all over again. So uh, making sure that you manage money with God's help is very critical because emergencies will come. And when it rains, it will pour. I know it. Personal experience. When one becomes involved in debt, now look what she says here. He is in what? One of Satan's nets, which he what? Yes, sets for souls. And that's why I read that, that quote from the very beginning, one to the fact that we're warriors and that the enemy is planning to plot against us in every way, especially our finances. And you know what? It's directed against the church. Because if we're tied up in debt, we can't rightfully or faithfully support God's ministry. 
So deny yourself a thousand things rather than run into debt. So debt elimination, make a covenant with God and renew it every day. We call it proto-chirotic living. That's a whole workshop within itself, but it's simply personal daily devotional lifestyle seeking God's face. So make a covenant with God. And the basic premise, because tithe and offering is tied to our relationship with God, the basic premise is to continue or start returning tithe and giving an offering. That's how you begin to get out of debt. Being faithful in our tithe and offerings, no, it's going to blow my budget. No, no, no. God says, and this is basically summing it up, that when we return and are faithful to God, he's going to be faithful to us. That little uh, part that says, test me and I will open the windows of heaven, it, 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 he, that's the only place you find that. See if I'm going to back you up is what he's saying. I, I have your back, but just test me. And so God will bless the remaining 80 or 85 percent, be faithful with at least 15 to 20 percent. Some people are on 10 plus 10, some are on 10 plus 5. And if they're not giving, I always encourage them to get on the 60 to 90 day challenge. Start now being faithful to God and watch him bless. If you're faithful in tithes and offering, God says he'll open up the windows of heaven. All right, so let's listen to this couple, couple, talk, couple, <laughs> couple, talk Mortgage. about money. Utilities, tithe, car insurance, phone. What are we going to do? I don't know. Two minutes. We're already behind a month in the mortgage, right? Well, Sam, what, what would you like for me to do? I could, I mean, I could hold back on the utilities or... I'm not trying to make you upset. Well, Sam, you know what? I'll, I'll take care of it. sacrifice and put God first or will you sacrifice eternity I want to pause right here uh, to acknowledge our general conference associate stewardship director uh, I always call him Dr. Aniel Barb <laughs> but he tells me not yet <laughs> and then we have our uh, general conference representative for plan giving and trust services Scott Kopic. Uh, they're both here, and uh, if you, uh, we, we are going to get to a slide that talks about plan giving trust services, I hope. If not, I'm going to ask him to come up and share a few words about what the plan giving and trust services arm of the church does for you. And you need to know right now that's a benefit of the tithe dollar. Yes. Many of those things are already a benefit of the tithe dollar, getting those documents, the basic documents done. And so... 
I have a five-minute testimony here uh, by someone who's very familiar uh, to all of you in this room. Yeah. And you may have just met him today. <laughs> and it's centered around these texts here. Will a man rob God? Oh, wow. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. And then that awful text, the awful text that says you are cursed <laughs> with a curse. We hate to hear that. What does that mean? Well, let's listen to the testimony. I know what it means to be cursed with a curse. <laughs> See, you know that guy. Yes, I do. As a young man, I learned early, I learned, I learned as a child, uh, tithe and offering. Uh, the pastor taught us, uh, uh, and, and others, leaders in the church. But the pastor would take, he would take 10 apples, and, and, and he would say, look, now, I want to illustrate something. I want to show you what one-tenth, or what tithe means. Tithe means one-tenth, and, and, or one out of 10. And so he said, I got 10 apples here, and I'm going to take one apple to represent God's tithe. And so he would take that out, and you say, you see that? That's one out of 10. And he, he, so he said, well, how many I got left? We said, nine. He said, yeah. And so this belongs to the Lord. Then he would take another one out and say, this represents offering. And he said, look, how many I got? We said, eight. He said, isn't that a whole lot? We said, yeah. That was a little simple lesson to teach us, 10 plus 10. And, 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 and believe me, I started that. I mean, I bet you the treasurers climbed up the walls. They saw that little offering envelope come in with a dollar tithe and a dollar offering. But treasures are very kind people, and they recognize, you know, the heart of a child who wants to do what's right. But anyway, I, I learned, and, 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 and so, I, so, so th this thing about curse of a curse that's if you, if you know better. God says, when you don't know better, I wink in your ignorance. And so years later, I started, you know, I got to grow up teenager and start making more money and got bigger and my tithe checks got larger. And, uh, and, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then I was introduced into having a car uh, and debt and, and, and not, not knowing well, not being trained uh, well. I came up in a home where money management wasn't the key. And so we lived from week to week, and that's the genre in which I came up in. But thank God I, I, I learned better but didn't know them. So bottom line is this. I got in trouble uh, with, with some huge debt, and, and I had a car, and, uh, and, and you, know, you know how it is when you're a te uh, teenager, you're late teens, you're feeling good, and everybody think you're doing well and don't know you're struggling. And so I started dipping into the tide to pay the car note. Uh, because I had overspent myself, didn't manage well. <clears throat> and so um, I got to the place where they were, you know, sending the letters. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know what that means. They, they, they come and they get the car. And so I, um, and so think about it now. Here I am, got this nice car. And, you know, self gets involved in how we look with things. And so, you know, just think if I, if, <clears throat> If I didn't have the car, I mean, what would people say? Uh, what would people think? Uh, you know, we, we get into these things. People have houses, and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're sinking. And, and it's obvious that we just need to downsize. Well, that that's become a negative term. It's called right-size today. So, yes, okay, fine. If that's what it's called, right-size, sell that house and, 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 and move into something that's more of your budget. But a lot of people say, well, if I move, they're going to say, what's wrong? I mean, didn't y'all have that fine house? Or what happened to that real nice car uh, you had? You know, sometimes we, we do this uh, uh, to people. <clears throat> and so... The bottom line is, it, it, gave, it came down to a decision between how I looked 
and serving the Lord. And so, I, I, you know, I was, this thing was hitting me. It was eating me up. The Lord was talking to me, you know, hey, you know, when are you, you going to stop this? Uh, when are you going to honor me uh, with the tithe? I mean, you've been, you're stealing from me, you know. And so, um, I mean, I really, uh, I thank God for the Holy Spirit who, who gives you second chances. God is a God of first, second, third, and fourth, and fifth challenges. I mean, fifth uh, challenges that we have, but he, he will give you the opportunity to make it right, even after the ninth. But thank God I, 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 I wrapped my arms around him, asked him to forgive me, and let me tell you what he did. <clears throat> I said, forget it. I don't care how I look. I don't care what people say. They can have the car. It's, it, I want to be saved. And so at that moment, I started back returning tithe. I was cursed with a curse. All, all the funds I had seemed to be going through the back door. Everything was just going everywhere. And I just said, you know, this is, forget it. Lord, uh, I got it right. Started returning tithe, giving offering. And when I communicated with the company about give, giving the car up, you know, they made a deal with me. They said, you know, we prefer you keep the car. So can you work this out? Can you do this payment? Can you... And I said, well, yeah, this is what I have left in my budget. And do you know that car, I kept that car for 10 long years, put 100,000 miles on that car. Uh, when, when you do what God asks you to do, he will bless you. He will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that we don't have room enough. Isn't that something? As a matter of fact, there's the car. <laughs> Before I got married, uh, you know, all this went on. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> hey, what was what, that? Oh, oh, you're saying that about the guy, huh? <laughs> Who had hair then? <laughs> and so, yeah, I had it all decorated up uh, for the wedding and my bride sitting right there. <laughs> and I drove that car to Oakwood when I answered the call to ministry. 1988, believe it, almost eight inches of snow in Huntsville, Alabama. But there's that vehicle <laughs> over 100,000 miles. God is good when you trust him. And so now that you know all my business, you can say, you know, that guy is a crook. <laughs> former. Former robber. <laughs> yeah, former, former robber. And see, the, the reason the word robbed is used, what's the difference between robbing and stealing? Quickly. Come on, you legal minds. <laughs> hmm? That's true. Yes. Stealing is, you know, somebody comes in, takes your stuff, you're not there. But if you're there, it's robbery. So God is telling people, you have robbed me. In other words, you've done this in my presence, in my face. Yeah, so... So that's the second commandment in that same text of bringing you all the tithe. The other one is test, prove me. Oh, I wish I had time, but I don't. It's time to go. Uh, so, but if you love me, keep my commandments. Tithe and offering is how we acknowledge God's sovereignty and his ownership. I'm checking my time. So this is an act of worship and relationship building. I want to take a minute here to just share with you the journey of the tithe uh, this is a short excerpt of it. This is where it begins. Uh, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man or woman be found faithful. And so uh, this little uh, will show you kind of where 
how it goes. It starts with us as donors, givers, uh, goes the church, conference, benefits, union, division, general conference, and then benefits that comes back to it. I call it a cycle of blessings. And so our part is funding the mission. God's part is blessing the participant and his church. And this little diagram you see, that's you. And then we support the church. But right now, at this point, there is an immediate, and there is, I missed a slide here, but I'll fix it right now. At, at this point, there's an immediate benefit to the church from the tithe to the local church, not only teachers and principals, but the pastor and the assistant pastor, if there's one, depending on the size of the church. Then, of course, if there's a school, then there's a teacher and a principal. The, the, the people think the tithe go straight to the general conference, but the, there's a benefit immediately at the church. I'm gonna share that with you. Then there's disaster response. Then there is uh, access to conference administrators and directors. Then you have access to uh, uh, conference and union services. And you also have access to North American Division and General Conference services. And so at your conference level, these are things that are benefited by the tithe. And at the union, these are items that are benefited by the tithe. At the division, these are items that are benefited by the tithes, including Andrews and Oakwood, if you please, and evangelism. And at the general conference, these are items that are benefited by the tithe, including insurance, legal services, and audit auditing. One former uh, GC stewardship, and I keep this slide, it's the same thing, all of them believe this, the transparency is an absolute must in our church. And if it, this was made true at the treasurer's report at the last GC session, clear. Very clear. And so, this is just a general, I've talked to our treasurer. This is a general rule of thumb uh, where your tithe dollars go. 70, 85% stays in the local conference. 11 to 17%, union and division. Uh, 2 to 8%, world church ministries. And so, Basically, the Gospel Commission, where Jesus said, go, make disciples of all nations, 81% of whatever comes in is to help fulfill fulfills the Gospel Commission, 19% to run the entire world church. Somebody needs to say amen. amen. Funding our mission, these are all the benefits of the tithe and offering. Uh, offering stays at the local church. Like I said, that's another workshop, but this is the benefit of it. And there you are at the top, your church and its other portions are your foundation and support. And so simply the donor, the giver, church, 70, 85% to the conference, 11 to 70% the union and division, general conference to the 8%, and the benefits that come back to us is a blessing. And so a tithe and offering sharing system gives strength to the entire world church. If ye love me, Jesus says. And so back to the debt elimination. Make a covenant with God. Basic premise, continue. Establish tithe and offering. Step number two, declare a moratorium on any new debt. Don't charge anything else. I know it's tempting to, or tempting not to, but declare a moratorium. Cash is better than credit. You see the scissors. This is for people who are really struggling with credit card debt. They, they haven't learned how to manage it, and it's difficult to manage it because of the interest and all that. So if, you're, if, you're, if that is you, the Bible says, if that right eye offend thee, <laughs> have a plastectomy <laughs> with the credit cards. Cut them up. If, that's a, if that is a huge challenge, you may have to let that go. But a lot of people know how to manage that because they pay the whole balance at the end of the month. But some cards still charge you interest. 
for holding the card. And then they say, well, you've got these cash back benefits and all that. The idea is that you have the card. They want you to use the card because that's how they make money. But it is the money that God has given you. You take control of it. All right? Uh, I wish I had time. Don't. Teenagers with credit cards. Oh, boy. Had a workshop, and I ta was talking about teenagers and credit cards, and the teens were right there, and they whipped them out and showed them to me. <laughs> yeah, we need to teach young people how to manage and how not to get in debt. Keep me up, keeping up with the Joneses. The Joneses have debt, too. <laughs> All right, credit enslaves people. The borrower is the slave of the lender. <sighs> this changes relationships. One quick example. If anybody has ever borrowed money from you and then you haven't heard from them, that changes the relationship. Hello? Yes, sir. <laughs> she gives them money. <laughs> you don't have to worry about dealing with them anymore. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> wow. So you really get mad when they sit up there singing in church, all the Jesus I owe, all the him I owe. Yeah. Then you look at them, you know they owe you too. Right. That's <laughs> that's right. And the loudest in the board meeting, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Declare moratorium on additional debt. Have a garage or an internet sale, all right? Yeah, so purge the house. Uh, there are a lot of stuff that we have that could benefit someone else. You can put it on eBay or Amazon or OfferUp or whatever other websites you can sell it. You can just snap a picture hmm, and post, just like many of you are holding your cameras up, taking some of these slides. You may have treasures in your house you don't even know about. Eliminate the things you can live without. You might have memberships you're not even using, and sometimes we have subscriptions to magazines that, you know, we're just paying, paying out money, wasting it. So, you know, have purged the house. Now, step number three in debt elimination, list your debts, balances from smallest to large, called the debt snowball, and what we're doing here is getting them snowball ready. In other words, we're ready now to start getting this, this snowball going to get out of debt. Uh, list step three, list your debts. Oh, I just said that. <laughs> step four, take action now. Get started. Establish a starter emergency fund, $1,000. So save up $1,000 before you start the debt snowball. This is a recommendation from Ramsey. There's some people who are not happy with Dame Ra Dave Ramsey because of some of his political statements, but the system he has works. So in, in some cases, you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, <laughs> you know. Anyway, so uh, start with the $1,000 emergency fund. And then step five, start the snowball. All right. Okay. And here's a simple example. Let me see. Can I get through it? All right. Yeah. Got four minutes left. Um, yeah. Well, I, I don't have time to finish this up. So um, this is $11,000 in debt. Uh, when we get in, when we finish this, well, you see you have your debts listed from smallest to large, payments smallest to large, and you found, they found $200 in the budget after they saved their receipts and straightened everything out, started getting on track. They found they had $200 extra. And so they added that $200 to this $25 payment, and that wiped this out in a couple of 
couple of months. So this is the idea. And then once that's wiped out, you take all of that, add it to the next payment, and that helps bring this down faster. Okay? Same thing here. Once this paid off, that $265, you add it to the $75 payment, and you see what's happening. Do you see what's happening here? All right, and in about 14 months, this thing is paid off. I gotta whiz through it, I don't have time. So, about 14 months. And this is the other item you can download when you download the, um, the, the budget blank. Uh, this is also that other, it's called, he call, we call it the roll-up method, it's similar to the debt snowball. Make adjustments as needed. Stay motivated with Jesus' help. Find other people who are on the same journey as you are so that you can be encouraged each other in Christ. Learn new ways to earn. Um, that text, Proverbs, says, a soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. There are some things you can do to earn extra money. Scott, would you come up and talk about plan giving for a couple of minutes? And then I'll try to get to a couple of more slides and want to let the people go on time. Thank you, Michael. Yes, sir. Very much appreciate Michael's presentation here today. I'll say that Plan Giving and Trust Services is really built on the foundation of stewardship, on the idea that everything that we have comes from God. And once we have that foundation, then we can start to experience God in a different way. We can, uh, where we are being tested in Malachi 3.10, we're asked to test God by returning a faithful tithe and offering to him so he may pour out a blessing upon us. We're also told in Acts 20.35 that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's what we focus on in plan giving and trust services. And we have a lot of pastors in the room. Can, let me uh, take a look here, see if there's a lot of pastors. Fantastic. We're here at the called convention. That makes sense. Let me say here that we are very much interested in helping you pastors with your ministries in your local church through plan giving and trust services. Now, having said that, we are even more interested in helping your church members experience the joy of giving by talking with them and having conversations about what God has put on their heart and what ministries they want to support. So what we do in Plan Giving and Trust Services is make connections, develop relationships with church members, sit down and have those heart-to-heart -heart conversations about what's important to them, and then we help them create strategies, make plans on how they can be strategic with their giving. And that's going to benefit the donor because they're going to be able to see how God will use them to bless others. They'll be able to see souls won for Christ through evangelism projects, children receiving an education in their local schools, and they'll be able to see that firsthand. Now, I bet many of you probably think, well, plan giving and trust services, you're the will people, am I right? That's probably what you're thinking. That's kind of what we're known for. And I get it. You know, that's a huge part of what we do is giving through estate plans, through wills and trusts. But we're also about giving while you're living, helping people to give from their retirement accounts, from uh, property that they no longer need, from their investments. So we're very much interested in helping people with that, as well as making sure that they have a solid plan in place for their end of life giving because if they've been giving to God faithfully for their entire life, they are ultimately concerned about how they're going to make that final gift and to make sure that what all the assets they have is going to be a blessing to their children as well as to the gospel message of Jesus Christ and, and supporting the churches that they love. 
So that's a little tidbit on plan giving and trust services. If you're not already connected with your conference plan giving and trust services representatives, I encourage you to reach out to them. If your conference doesn't have an active program, we're available at the general conference. Uh, we actually provide the PGTS department for the North American division. So you're welcome to contact us and we'd be happy to, to help you out in any way we can. So hopefully that was good in just a couple of minutes and I'll give this back to you. Yes, the church say amen. Uh, we have a thumb drive up here for, um, for our pastors or for our attendees. Uh, you want to make sure there are a lot of resources on here for Plan Giving Trust Services. We have uh, partnered on this drive. It has their name on it, but we also have a folder, two folders, Plan Giving Trust Service, and the second folder says Stewardship Ministries. On that folder is a lot of resources related to helping you with assisting your church. So you want to make sure you walk out of here with one of these. And because you came today, uh, and, and we noticed the difference between generosity and revolutionary generosity, <laughs> then you can take one of these cars with you. Also, my business card is here. Uh, if you need our services in your territory, your conference, uh, your area will be willing to come, uh, not just to talk about finances, but we do this a lot. Basically, when we come, we're almost like firemen because the pastors generally say, help, my, my giving is down or my tithe is down. So we come to help put out the fire. But stewardship is much more than that. And so there are many places I've been invited. We've been able to present the whole package. As a matter of fact, we did a generosity revival where it produced souls that were baptized after our meeting. So it's about the souls for the kingdom, and it's about the ministry of the gospel to the entire world. Revolutionary generosity. Let us pray. Father, we're thankful for the time that you've given us to share and to pour into your precious children, all of us. We ask that you would help us as we go forward. We thank you for this conference, this convention, uh, to give pastors the benefit of revival, reformation, to go back and continue uh, the fight till we get to the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.